Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. One Thursday morning this week, my family traveled to Atlanta for a funeral. We were there to celebrate the life of my wife, Amanda's grandfather, Ken Hetzel, a man of deep faith, an elder of the church, and a Presbyterian through and through. While down in Atlanta, we paid a visit to a historic landmark that I've been waiting to visit for many years, the King Center, a museum and memorial celebrating the life and legacy of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. And if you've ever been there, you know that it's built alongside the historic Ebenezer Baptist Church, where King served as co-pastor with his father. And for me, the most powerful part of that experience was sitting quietly at the edge of the reflecting pool, in the middle of which sits the crypt that holds the remains of both Dr. King and his wife, Coretta. The crypt is near the western end of the reflecting pool, within a stone's throw of the church. And if you stand at that end and look east, the reflecting pool continues up towards the museum. I guess it's at least a, a couple hundred feet long. And at the far end of it are fountains. And from where, there, the water bubbles up and flows downhill, down four steps towards the crypt. And along each of the steps are engraved some words. Together they read, we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. If those words sound familiar, it's because Una just read them from Amos 5. Dr. King quoted the prophet Amos in many sermons, including one of the final sermons he ever delivered on March 18, 1968, in Memphis, Tennessee, just two weeks before his assassination. Dr. King was in Memphis supporting the sanitation workers' strike, and his sermon that evening, a sermon he titled, All Labor Has Dignity, it centered on the just treatment of all workers. He said, in part, we assemble here tonight to say we are tired. We are tired of being at the bottom. We are tired of being trampled over by the iron feet of oppression. We are tired of working our hands off and laboring every day and not even making a wage adequate to get the basic necessities of life. We are tired. And so in Memphis, we are saying, now is the time. Now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. Now is the time to make an adequate income a reality for all God's children. Now is the time for justice to roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Now is the time. The prophet Isaiah, writing a few generations after Amos, penned some very similar words, writing, If you remove the yoke of injustice from among you, then you will be like a spring of water that won't run dry. Then you will be called mender of broken walls, restorer of livable streets. 
But Isaiah continues in a somewhat unexpected direction. You heard in the very next verse he writes, If you stop trampling the Sabbath, stop doing whatever you want on my holy day and instead honor it as holy, then you will take delight in the Lord. Clearly, Isaiah sees an inescapable connection between justice and Sabbath. And I'd go so far as to say that both Isaiah and Amos were arguing that you cannot faithfully worship God nor practice Sabbath without also doing justice. Justice, you see, is a prerequisite for faithful worship and Sabbath practice. And I also find it interesting that both Isaiah and Dr. King use this language of trampling. In his sermon to the Memphis sanitation workers, Dr. King said, we are tired of being trampled over by the iron feet of oppression. Isaiah, meanwhile, urges the Israelites to stop trampling the Sabbath. And so I wonder, could these two seemingly separate acts of trampling be one in the same? Is it perhaps that when we trample over our neighbors, when we participate in their oppression, or more benignly, when we simply ignore their stories and their needs, and then we show up for worship or we seek God in prayer as if nothing was amiss, I wonder, is it perhaps then that we trample the Sabbath? We cannot, in good faith, seek to renew our relationship with God without also renewing our relationship with neighbor. So how? How is it that we can renew our relationships with our neighbors so that we can all delight in God's Sabbath? Well, I think it's as simple as opening our eyes, our ears, and our hearts so that we may see and hear and love our neighbors. I've had a busy last week or so. A wedding and two funerals, visits and phone calls with Fairmounters who needed a little extra love and support in this moment, committee meetings and staff meetings, a midweek prayer service, and prepping for lots of events later this fall. But in addition to those typical pastoral duties, I've also spent a good deal of time this past week tending to my relationship with our neighbors. And so I want to share my week of renewing relationship with neighbor in four conversations. Conversation number one, breakfast with Reverend James Quincy of Lee Road Baptist Church. Back on Sunday, January 22nd, my friend and colleague, Pastor Quincy, was here at Fairmount as our guest preacher. And many of you may recall that less than two weeks before he came to preach, his congregation experienced an all-too-common tragedy in our community. On January 10th, Pierre McCoy, an 18-year-old high school senior, was shot and killed waiting at the bus stop after school. Pierre was a member of Lee Road Baptist, and Pastor Quincy had baptized him not long before. The night before Pastor Quincy came here to preach, he and I met at the bus stop outside John Adams High School where Pierre was killed. 
And we sat there together and we dreamed about what it might look like for young people in our community to be given an opportunity to flourish. And we prayed for God's guidance for our church's role in that vision. A couple weeks later, I sat next to Reverend Quincy in the sanctuary at Lee Road and assisted in officiating Pierre's funeral. And then a few weeks after that, during Holy Week, youth from our two congregations came together to create a set of art inspired by our Easter theme, Out of Death, New Life. And we announced that our congregations were together committed to the flourishing of all young people in our community. And so back to the present, Pastor Quincy and I sat down for breakfast last week to discuss the next steps in that vision. Together, we're planning a gathering for more than 100 teenagers next month, a summit that we're calling Cleveland Loves Teens. It'll be a gathering to provide youth with information and opportunities for education, for employment, and other services. But more than anything, this summit is part of our mission to make sure that every young person in Cleveland knows that there are adults who care about them, who care about their present and their future. Conversation number two with Reverend Charlie Hurst, pastor of North Presbyterian Church. Almost 25 years ago, a woman named Karen started showing up for worship at North Church at the corner of 40th and Superior in Cleveland. Karen wasn't exactly an active member. She would just show up, lay down in a back pew, and go to sleep. It was clear to Pastor Charlie and the congregation that Karen didn't have any place else to be, and so they just let her be. Slowly, over the course of many months, Karen began to engage in worship and with other members of the congregation, and people got to know her. One Sunday, Karen didn't show up for worship, and they later learned that she had passed away. But her impact on North Church continues to this day. Her presence made the congregation more aware of the needs of their neighbors, and so they began to invite people in the neighborhood to worship who might just need a safe place to be on Sunday mornings and a hot meal. Soon, North became more closely connected with 2100, the men's shelter run by LMM. And in 2013, thanks in large part to Fairmount's own Hank Dow, North Church moved into LMM's new home a few blocks away, the Richard Searing Center. Today, on any given Sunday at North, about three-quarters of their worshipers are unhoused and living in a shelter. Fairmount has a long-standing relationship with North, long before I was here, and so earlier this week, I called Pastor Charlie to touch base about plans to celebrate our partnership. Each Sunday in November, a group of Fairmounters will be guests in worship at their church and share a meal afterwards. And we'll kick off that month of celebration on November 5th when a group of Fairmounters will take food from our breaking bread meal that day and take it over to North Church. And a group of North folks will come here to Fairmount to worship with us and to break bread with us, literally and metaphorically extending the table between our two congregations. 
Conversation number three this week was with Ms. Florence Daniels. When I called Ms. Daniels, she told me that she was sitting at her dining room table. Back in March, I sat at that same table with Ms. Daniels and her 15-year-old son, Darrell, who at the time was confined there on house arrest, waiting to be sentenced for a crime. You see, Darrell had been bound over. The legal term in Ohio used to describe the process of a minor being transferred into adult court. And then in June, I held Ms. Daniel's hand in a courtroom as she listened to the judge sentence Darrell to 21 years in an adult prison. Since then, Darrell has been serving out the beginning of his sentence at a prison in Franklin County, Ohio. And when I talked with Ms. Daniels earlier this week, I was heartbroken to learn that he has been in solitary confinement for going on two weeks now. A child in a cell all by himself for 24 hours a day. And I could offer her nothing but a prayer that Durrell would know that he wasn't alone in that cell, that God was with him there, and a prayer for her, his mother, that she could find a way to trust that God would care for him. The fourth conversation was a meeting with clergy and lay leaders from Anche Hesed Fairmount Temple, the Chagrin Valley Islamic Center, Olivet Institutional Baptist Church, and St. Dominic Catholic Church. Two weeks ago, we all received news alerts on our phones that Hamas had launched rockets on Israeli-occupied territory. And this week, there was a massive explosion at a hospital in Gaza. Thousands of people are dead. Many more injured and families are broken apart. Once again, hate and religious extremism have caused this death and destruction. Six months ago, we hosted the inaugural meeting of an interfaith coalition, one that had come together in solidarity to confront religious extremism and white supremacy here in Northeast Ohio. Together, we are among the most prominent Presbyterian, Catholic, Black, Muslim, and Jewish congregations in Cleveland. Each congregation has its own leadership team, and our Fairmount team is led by Ben Sperry and Susan Kent, Una Campbell, and Debbie Wilbur. At the beginning of this Zoom meeting on Tuesday morning, I told the group that given who we were and why we had come together, I felt that we must find a way to respond to the violence in the Middle East. We acknowledge that while we may disagree about some of the issues related to the conflict in Israel and Palestine, that we must stand together in solidarity and call for peace. So that was my week in four conversations, each of them imperfect, but each of them seeking to see and to hear and to love our neighbors. Last Sunday, at the end of her sermon, you heard Pastor Lindsay invite you to consider how you would work on renewing your relationship with God. And this Sunday, we're asking you the same question with respect to your neighbors. How will you slow down and take time to renew your relationships with neighbors? 
There are many ways you could do this. But based on this set of conversations I had this past week, let me offer you at least four ways. Number one, come to our teen summit on Saturday, November 11th. We need volunteers to help with registration and other logistics. But more than anything, we need adults who will simply show up and demonstrate to our kids that there are grown-ups in this community who love them. Kids like Pierre McCoy, who desperately need it. And so Pastor Quincy and Pastor Carmen and I invite you to be there with us on November 11th. Number two, worship at North Presbyterian Church in November. We want the connection between our churches to be more than sending food to those who are hungry. We want to build meaningful relationships between members of our congregation and folks at theirs like Karen. And so the Serve Council invites you to sign up either to prepare a meal or to worship and serve food at North in November. Number three, you can sign up to observe juvenile court. Earlier this week at Fairmount, we hosted more than 30 members from over a dozen different GCC congregations to be trained to attend juvenile bind-over hearings in uh, this fall. The judges in the juvenile court have invited us into their courtrooms to observe as we try to safeguard the well-being of the most vulnerable youth in our community, kids like Darrell and his family. And so our Faith in Action team, Steve Chapman, Gordon Landefeld, Susan Worley, Mella Graves, and Ginger Van Wagenen invite you to show up for our kids and their families in court. Finally, number four, you are invited to attend our Interfaith Peace Vigil next Sunday. Our coalition agreed that we must speak with one voice for peace. And so next Sunday, right here in our sanctuary, we'll host a prayer vigil for peace in the Middle East. And so Ben, Susan, Una, Debbie, and I invite you to join us next Sunday at 4 o'clock along with members of the other congregations to pray together in solidarity. As I said, there are many ways that we might renew our relationship with our neighbors in this season. These are just four examples. But we invite you today to take those two index cards that are in your bulletin and write down your commitment over these next several weeks for how you will seek to renew your relationship with neighbor. One is for you to take home, to remember your commitment. The other is for you to leave in the offering plate or with one of the pastors after worship. So the invitation is simple. How will you open your heart to the hungry and provide abundantly for those who are afflicted? How will you honor God's Sabbath in these days ahead so that this church may be known as a mender of broken walls and as a restorer of livable streets and so that all of us will be free to delight in God's Sabbath? This I deliver to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Mother of us all. Amen. We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.